This Advent season, we've been celebrating the many voices that tell the one story of the good news of the arrival of the Christ. As we've done this together, three congregations, Shambly, Decatur First, East Cobb, we've heard in the sermons many voices telling the story. We've heard in the scriptures many different biblical voices. We've heard in the lighting of the candles of the Advent wreath, many voices telling the story in action. Today, I want to invite us to hear the story from a special voice, uh, the voice of the first person to hear, believe, and share the story of the good news. Uh, the voice of the person many people call the first Christian, Jesus' mother, Mary. You know, after Mary is visited by an angel and told that she will conceive immaculately and her son will be the son of God, she goes to visit a relative, Elizabeth, much older than her, but also expecting for the very first time so that Mary can uh, talk over this little revelation with Elizabeth. And, and when she arrives, Elizabeth gives Mary affirmation of what she's heard because of Elizabeth's own personal, miraculous angel baby experience. And then we hear the voice of Mary tell the story of the gospel this way. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55 for us now. And I want to invite you after I finish the reading to join me in affirming that we need to hear this voice today. And we'll do that responsively. After I finish the scripture, I'll say, this is the word of God for the people of God. And you say back, thanks be to God. Would you hear now Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. Mary said, With all my heart I glorify the Lord. In the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God my Savior. He has looked with favor on the low status of his servant. Look, from now on everyone will consider me highly favored because the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. He shows mercy to everyone from one generation to the next who honors him as God. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has come to the aid of his servant Israel, remembering his mercy, just as he promised to our ancestors, to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, this passage of scripture is often referred to as the Magnificat, which is just a Latin rendering of the first line. You know, my soul glorifies or praises the Lord. And it's Mary's own telling in her own voice of the story of what God is doing in the birth of Jesus. 
And I think for us to really get the depth of what Mary is saying, singing in her own voice, it's important for us to respect Mary's circumstances and personhood. I'm afraid sometimes we run the risk of silent nighting this story right out of its original context. We need to name that Mary's plight was not a pleasant one. She was young, poor, female, Jewish, in a Roman-controlled society. By all accounts, she was among the lowest of the low, marginalized, voiceless in many ways. Her life, her future had a ceiling, and it was low. And then add to her plight of being young, poor, and Jewish, now unwed and pregnant. And frankly, the ceiling for her future husband, Joseph, wasn't that high either. And now she's expecting and they're not even married. And if you think there's any stigma or pressure or shame that's associated with being young, poor, unwed, and pregnant in the Bible Belt in the 21st century, Imagine just how much worse it would have been for Mary. She wouldn't have only been dealing with shame or societal pressure, but quite frankly, even the threat on her life. And so this is who Mary was. This was Mary's circumstance and her life situation at the time that she is told that she is going to conceive a child. And I got to tell you, when you look for a biblical example of strength and courage, you can have David. Uh, You you can have Samson. (laughs) Give me Mary. This young woman in a disadvantaged life situation beyond her control, going from bad to worse in many regards. And in that moment, out of all the possible ways that she could have responded to those circumstances, she lifts her head to the Lord, praises God with joy. What an incredible example for us of faithful courage and strength. It's also an example for me, a reminder of the difference between happiness and joy. I think of happiness as what you feel when you get what you want. And joy is what you feel when you don't. And Mary's song, Mary's voice is the embodiment of the joy that she felt in that moment. Thanks to God. See, Mary chose in that moment. Of all the ways she could respond, she chose joy.
she chose not only to, in some sense, to manufacture or to have her own joy, but at a much deeper level, she chose to receive the joy that God was offering to her. And in choosing to receive that joy, she was choosing to look beyond her own circumstances and how she would have liked life to be going right now. And instead, she chose to see what God was doing to bring healing and wholeness and restoration into the world. And she chose to see that not only was God bringing healing, but God was including and involving Mary in the bringing. She chose to see that she was playing a vital role in the Savior's presence arriving into the world. She chose to receive the joy that God was offering her and offering to the world. And frankly, so can we, even and especially now, in the midst of all that we are living through and dealing with and going through together, we can choose to receive the gift of joy from God and choose to look to see how God is bringing healing and wholeness and restoration into our world today and how God is involving us in it in big ways and small. Even just by wearing our masks, by maintaining physical distance from each other, by avoiding gathering together in large numbers in public, We are being a compassionate participant in God bringing healing and restoration and wholeness into our world. And Mary's response of joy was a song. This is what we call Mary's song, the Magnificat. It's a song. These verses become a song that have been sung by the church down through the ages. Mary sings of her joy. And I think about all the ways that our churches, even now, are singing our joy in the midst of these circumstances, like East Cobb and their virtual choir that they're enjoying during Advent. Or here at Shambly, the many voices and instruments of our minister of music, Alan Barbie. I I think 12 Alans on the screen at one time is the most that I've counted so far. And the new voices, like the voice we have leading our worship at nine o'clock here at Shambly, our modern service, Ben Ward. Or the new voice that's leading in worship at Decatur, Catherine Wilson. All of these are ways that we are singing our joy, singing our faith, celebrating the promises of God even now. And just giving some thought to what it means to be expecting to be pregnant. The range of feelings and emotions that that brings, even when it's a planned pregnancy, never mind this unplanned one that Mary had. Thinking about all of the realities and realizations that come to you, I got to wonder if 
that there's a chance that Mary sang even through some tears as she tried to fathom all that was going on in her, in her life, in her newly forming family, and put it in the context of all that was going on in her world. And her song, the words of her song, name this God in whom she put her faith and her trust, from whom she received the gift of joy. As she described a God who is holy, merciful, and strong, a God who pulls down the arrogant and the proud and who lifts up the lowly, a God who fills the hungry and sends away the rich empty-handed. And of course, today, in the light of the good news of the gospel and the life and ministry of Jesus, we read these words and hear them sung and consider that God is not condemning as much as God is inviting in these words. Inviting the proud, the arrogant, the rich, inviting those who have positions or places of respect or authority, control, those who assume some position of power, inviting them to be humbled, inviting them to share, to give their power, their voice. And at the same time, God is lifting up the lowly, giving them a voice in a way they've never had it before. God is providing for the needs of his children in ways that he has never done before. That God's kingdom is coming, bringing us all together, leveling it all out so that we could truly be one. And in a way, God's kingdom is turning this world upside down where we put things like pride and power and control and wealth on top and we put things like being poor or being hungry or being uneducated or being from a different place or land down at the bottom. God's kingdom is turning all of that upside down. And we hear it in Mary's song. Mary praises God for this very, very topsy-turvy, upside-down understanding of what life in God's kingdom, what life with fullness, health, healing, wholeness, and restoration looks like among us. I was so intrigued to see that the Magnificat, Mary's song, was the inspiration in the medieval and, and early modern church in Europe for the Feast of Fools. Are you familiar with this sort of ancient practice that was inspired by Mary's song? It was a feast in the church when they took time to sort of turn upside down all of the social norms and expectations that they had as a way of 
embodying, they would even act out the Magnificat as a way of embodying this upside down life of the kingdom of God and to do it with joy and celebration. E.K. Chambers wrote about it this way. He writes that in the late 1600s in the Franciscan church of Antibes, lay people in the church put on the vestments of the clergy inside out. They held the books upside down. They wore spectacles with rounds of orange peels instead of glasses. They blew the ashes from the censers on each other's faces and hands. And instead of the proper liturgy, they chanted confused and inarticulate gibberish. They made a joyful celebration acknowledging that God's kingdom brings down the proud and those of high station and lifts up the lowly and turns our world upside down. Oh, siblings in the faith, we are living in a world that in many ways is feeling like it's being turned upside down. We're living in a world where we're struggling To make sense of it all, we're struggling in many ways to to grasp for what we're accustomed to and what we're used to, for what we would call normal. What if Advent, what if the joy of the Advent season, what if the joy of the Magnificat of Mary's song involves the very letting go of what we would call normal? What if this is a season where we acknowledge that our comfort, our customs, our normal is a privilege that we enjoy and yet at the same time is something that we lay down, that we give up to look toward, to look for what new and different thing God is doing in our world and in our lives to look for the fulfillment of God's promise that was made to Abraham and Abraham's descendants and by extension to us, that God's kingdom is coming in new ways, even right now among us, just like it was with Mary and Elizabeth. And what a beautiful story to embody that for us that they were living through the Advent, the very first Advent. And in this tender moment, it was just the two of them. Celebrating and living it together. And we recognize that Mary's song, a song of joyful faith in a good God in the midst of incredibly difficult circumstances, inspired joy in the church, that God would come through on God's promise, that Mary had the joy of seeing what was coming, of what was coming in the midst of and on the other side of all that she was going through the joy of the anticipation of God fulfilling God's promises to lift up the low, to pull down the mighty, to dismiss those who think they have it all and to draw near to those 
who feel like it's slipping through their fingers. You know, as one commentator put it, marginalized people like expectant mothers in the ancient Near East have time to listen and wait. Those who are alienated by their culture or their circumstances might just be visited by the Holy Spirit. So this Advent season, even as we're distanced or feel confined to our homes or our immediate family or just to one other person in whom we can confide, like Mary with Elizabeth, this Advent season is a joyful season of expectancy for our faithful God to bring God's kingdom now and evermore. Amen.